So the work of Christmas began with the birth of Jesus Christ, and the work continues through us as we go out and we share the light with the world. If you've been worshiping with us over the last month or so, we've covered a lot of ground. We came through the Advent season, this time where we prepare our hearts and our minds for the coming of our Lord and Savior. And and this year, we use materials that help us look at the name, the royal name of the royal child. And, And then we moved into Christmas Eve, and we gathered by the hundreds on site as well as uh, online, coming together to worship this newborn babe, the Messiah, the promised one who was born sinless, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross so that we can have eternal life. And Christmas moves past behind us. And yet one last little story about Christmas. There's an eight-year-old girl. She had a very disappointing Christmas. She did not get the gift she wanted She got in an argument with her brother, and that argument happened, and mom walked in the room, and she got blamed, and she got mad, and she kicked the cat, and next thing you know, she found herself in bed early that night, and she said her prayers like always, and she always said the Lord's Prayer, and this time, though, she said, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. I think sometimes that's what happens. Christmas comes and it's so hectic and there's so many things going on that we kind of lose perspective of the reason for the season. And I think it's the same as we now enter into 2022, that all the busyness can get in the way and cause us to lose our perspective as we go from jingle bells to juggle bills as trees come down and decorations and lights get put away and those infamous credit card bills start to show up. And we look to this new year because we want to have a fresh start. Uh, There are certain times in our lives when we can have those fresh starts. Uh, Perhaps a wedding day, birth of a child, a new job, a new home, uh, and of course, the infamous New Year's Day. But New Year's and every day of the year is really a good time for us to hit that reset button, that we let Christ renew us, that we get a fresh start and make adjustments. And, and many of us call those adjustments New Year's resolutions. And, and I won't ask you to put your hand up if you've already broken your New Year's resolutions. But I knew this guy, and he really wanted to keep his this year. So he made his list. And here's what it is. I'm going to gain weight, at least 20 pounds. We're going to stop exercising. I'm going to read less, watch more TV, and I won't procrastinate. Well, of course, he said, I'll start that one tomorrow. But why do we do that? Why do we make these resolutions? Why do we feel that January 1st is the time that we need to set new goals and move forward in life? Well, I think it's basically because we know we need to identify our weaknesses, set our priorities, and figure out what God's up to with us. How are we going to prioritize our time and our energy and our wealth and our resources and our talents in the new year? New Year comes along, and it's certainly a reminder as we watch the seconds count down how important every second in life that we have. Many years ago, I read an article, and it it stuck with me. It talks about uh, the meaning of time, and it says, to realize the value of a month, ask a mother who gave birth prematurely. Hmm, that's interesting. To realize the value of a week, ask someone who just came back from a week on a cruise ship. To realize the value of an hour, ask somebody who forgot to change their clocks a few months ago. To realize the value of a minute, ask a person who just missed the train. 
realize the value of a second. Ask the person that just barely avoided getting in a car accident. Realize the value of a millisecond. Ask the person who won the silver medal in the Olympics. So maybe for you, time and better use of time is a priority for you, to be a good steward of time. But for all of us, this new year forces us to ask a few questions. And number one is, what will my priorities be this year? And then, will they be in sync with God's priorities? How can I hit the reset button? How can I get back on track? How can I be renewed in the Lord to be more Christ-like? to live this new life that he's invited me into. Ephesians 4 tells us that we're to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That sounds great. We all want a piece of that, but how do we do that? Well, quite frankly, it first starts out by having a foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. That will help us to set forward with what we're supposed to accomplish this year. And of course, it's pretty important for us to know that God knows you, every single one of you. He knows you intimately, and quite frankly, he loves you in spite of knowing you intimately, because he loves you unconditionally. Then what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, know that God handmade you. God don't make no junk. You're a masterpiece handmade by a loving God. One of my favorite sections of scripture is Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't this incredible? Handmade by a loving God. And handmade to have a relationship with him forever. And yet we all got the same problem. We sin. We fall short. We miss the mark. We let God down. We find all that in his law, and that law condemns us. And yet we can find joy in the fact that God does love you in spite of you, in spite of your sins, in spite of your failings. And, and quite frankly, it's the Christmas story. It's the Good Friday story. It's the Easter story. It's the sweet gospel that each of us know and love. John 3.16 says it so plainly that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, if you're in this room, if you're watching online, you are a whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. And he loves you so much, he didn't create you for nothing. He has a plan for you. Think about that. The God of the universe said, I got a plan for you. I want to work in your life so that I can work through your life. He's got plans for you. And we see this verse often, but it's so powerful that we, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans? Well, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He's got plans for you today, tomorrow, and every day that you're allowed to be on earth here. And, and I think sometimes we wonder, well, good, how do I accomplish those plans if I don't know what they are? 
Well, we got a problem at our house, kind of funny one, actually. We put on the TV, and you can see the person. You can see what's happening, except the sound you're hearing isn't in sync with the words, kind of like a dubbed movie. And they're talking, but the words come out 20 seconds later, and then the closed caption doesn't match either of them. So there's like three things going on. It makes it very complicated to watch TV because we are out of sync. And so how can we be in sync with God's plans for us? Well, first of all, ask him what those plans are. You know, every morning when I go and do my prayers, I ask God to help me be the best Dave Tim I can be. Uh, Let the main thing be the main thing, to be in the moment, to know what his plan for me is, and then to not be distracted by all the junk, all the guilt, the pain, uh, all the past things, and all the worries of the future, to just be in the moment. Because I want you to remember that yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today's a gift. It's why we call it the present. So we live in the present. But in order to do that, first we have to hit the reset button on the past. I say that because I know many in here are struggling with it putting the past in the past. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Now, we need to learn from the past. We need to make adjustments to the past. And then we got to live in the present. Many of us watch football. Probably some of us were pretty exhausted after the Ohio State game yesterday. But we watch football. But when you watch a football game, what happens? Halftime comes. Many of us run to get food or go to the bathroom. But at halftime, what happens for those players is they all come together. They go in the locker room. And what do they do? They celebrate the victories of the first half. They own what happened wrong in the first half. They talk about how do we make some needed adjustments, corrections, and then they leave the first half in the locker room and they go out to play the second half. First half's in the books, and they go out and they're refreshed and rejuvenated and renewed and refocused to go out and play the second half. Well, it's the same with us in our lives. We need to leave the pain and the guilt and the regret, and we need to move forward and be able to move past the past and not to be even burdened down by the future, but to live in the presence. Philippians chapter 3, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, but one thing I do, listen to Paul's words, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We move forward, but we do it one day at a time. And we can do that because we know God's promise of forgiveness and eternal life and his promise that he is there by your side every single minute, even through the storms of life. We can look forward to God's promises that he'll never, ever, ever leave you. You know what? There's nothing you can do that will make God not love you. He'll be disappointed with you, but there's nothing too outlandish that he can't forgive because he loves you that much. Deuteronomy tells us to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. And here it is, for the Lord goes with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now, 
we move into this month of January, I wonder how many of you know where January got its name from? Got its name from this mythological Roman god Janus. Kind of an interesting looking character here. Two heads, one looking at the past and one looking at the future. Now, I got a weird sense of humor, and I look at that, and I wonder, could that guy sing a duet by himself? Does he have to turn his head to watch a tennis match? Can he read a book and watch TV at the same time? Or better yet, can he eat a meal with one mouth, carry on a conversation with the other, and then his mom can't yell at him for talking with his mouth full? Well, enough of the silliness. But, you know, we can learn a lot from this picture that's on the screen here. We learn it because we're not to be like that. We're not to be two-faced. We're not to be hypocritical. We're not to live in the past and the future. We're to live in the present, right now, today, the day the Lord has given you. And we all love this verse from Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was going to sing that for you, but my gift to you for New Year's is to not have sung it. But we love it, don't we? What a great verse. Today is God's day, and he's given it to you to use wisely. So how can we stay in sync with God today and every single day of our lives? Well, I got some bullet points that I think will be very helpful. They might be obvious, but we tend to not always do them. The first one is to give thanks And what I'd like you to do is when you go home today, get a pencil and paper or sit at a computer screen, I want you to list at least 10 blessings from 2021. Now you're going to go, oh, 2021 was awful. I'm not asking to list the awful things. Be thankful for what God has given you or for getting you through the awful things. I have a feeling that list is going to be pretty long, if we're honest with ourselves. Physical, material, relational, emotional, spiritual, so many blessings. And Psalm 136 tells us to give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. When I go out for my walk in the morning, my very first words before I say anything else in the prayer is, thank you, Lord. And then I say, and I kind of do what I just asked you to do. Thank you for everything, my health, this house I just walked out of, opportunities to know you as Lord and Savior, opportunities to share in ministries. And then I ask God to help me to be a good steward of those gifts that he has given to me to be in sync. And so we're in sync with God as we give thanks for his blessings and his presence in our life. And then one of the most obvious ways is to pray. Think about that. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the God of creation says, you can talk to me anytime you want. 24-7, I got an open line just waiting for you. I want to guide you. I want to comfort you. I want to challenge you. I want to hear all the struggles that are on your mind. First Thessalonians, so simple. Rejoice when? Always. Pray when? Continually. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't know how to pray? It starts out by praising God. Thank you, God. You're awesome. And then confess your sins and tell him you're sorry you let him down. And then thank him for the blessings. Thank him for uh, all the forgiveness he gives you. And then list all the things that are on your heart and your mind. So to stay in sync, we give thanks, we pray, and then we need to be in his word. You know, we live in a world that's in constant search for the truth. But we're all looking in the wrong places. We want to Google the truth. 
We want to search the internet for what other people think are the truth. We want consensus from our friends. We want our own personal desires. And yet we don't need to do that. We have God's word. Second Timothy says that all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Read one chapter every single day. Make the commitment or get a devotional book. Read one devotion every day. Don't know how to do that? Don't know where to start? What to use? Contact me. I will get you the right resources and the right plan to use them. And then one other way to stay in sync is to be part of his church, to be active here. This is God's church. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's a place we come to be fed spiritually so that we can go out and be the church, to be the church in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Hebrews 10 says, let us, not cons- let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Make a commitment to worship your Lord and Savior every single week. And then join a small group. Get into a life group. Have a group of people that you can be in God's word with and support each other. And then join in places and serve with whatever gifts and abilities you have. And to be a missionary, whether it's to your next door neighbor or whether it's to be around the world. And we do that as we use our gifts, our abilities, our situations to glorify the Lord. As I said before, you're handmade, you're unique, and God has a plan for you, specifically for you right where you are, to give him glory. 1 Corinthians 10 said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Now, I think some of you nodded with, yeah, I'll pray, I'll read the Bible, but hey, I got a bunch of flaws. There's no way God wants to use me to minister. Well, let me close with a story that is a powerful one used to use it in confirmation, and, and, I, and I think it'll hit us right between the eyes. This story, there's a water bearer, and his job, he's in India, and he goes down to the stream, and he's got two large pots, stick between them, puts it on his neck, and he carries the water back up to the master's house, and he gets that water there. Now, the one pot is perfect. The other one has a big crack in it. And so the one that has the crack in it only ends up with half a bucket of water when they get back to the master's house. And this goes on day after day after day. And, and of course, the perfect pot, he's pretty proud of himself. Look at what I accomplished. And the old crack pot's uh, pretty miserable, ashamed of himself. And after a few years, he speaks to the water bearer and says, I'm ashamed of myself. I, I want to apologize. The water bearer goes, why? What are you ashamed of? He said, well, you're working hard every day, and, and because of my flaws, you only get a half of your work. You get one and a half pots because of me. And so the water bearer said, well, you know what? Cheer up a little. When we walk back to the master's house, just look at the beautiful flowers along the pathway. And, and that worked for a while, okay? The pot went back, and all oh, these are beautiful flowers and everything. But when he got back to the house and went to dump out the water, he realized, oh, Man, I lost half my load again. And so he once again apologizes. And the water bearer says, hey, did you notice the flowers? Yeah, I did. They're beautiful. Did you notice they're only on your side of the path? 
No flowers on the other side. I knew about your flaws, he said. And so I planted all these seeds on your side. And without you being as flawed as you think you are, we'd have no flowers to adorn the master's table. As you move forward this year, don't think you're not capable. God will use you, flaws and all. We're all cracked pots. And yet God wants us to minister together and let him put the pieces together to accomplish his plans. And we do it day by day by day, focusing on a God that loves you and remembering in Philippians 4 that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So a few steps as you move into this new year, this new day. Number one, are you ready to say I'm going to hit the reset button on my past? I know this is tough. If you need to talk to somebody, call me. I'll help you work through that past so that you can move into the present Live in the moment. Number two, are you ready to say, I'm going to trust the Lord with my future? Stop worrying about tomorrow. It'll worry about itself. Live in the moment and let God take care of your future. And then number three, are you ready to say, I will seek God's plans for me daily? Are you ready to read God's word? Pray to God, give thanks to God, be part of his church and use your gifts and abilities. Lord, Thanks for every new day that you've given us, for forgiving us of our past sins, for your promise that you're going to walk with us side by side. Use our flaws. Use us so that we can shine your light into a world that's so filled with darkness. Bless us in this coming year, Lord. Bless your church. Let us know and love and hear your gospel. We pray it in your name. Amen.